three, two, one. Hey, Austin, how are you? Doing okay. Good. How are you? Just uh, yes, a little break there. Um, (laughs) Not by complete design, but kind of just the way things worked out. Um, I know I had a weekend of uh, reenacting that came up, so it's kind of helping friends out on something that they're trying to establish, which was fun. And then I think we just kind of drifted last week because all this, all this crazy stuff going on. Yeah, busy like things are yeah, popping definitely. up. Like and then night, I think yeah. just with everybody's focus on all these other uh, worldly events at the at that time, it was just like we were wrapped up in it too. So it was kind of it just wasn't a good time to do this, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't by design, but now we're back at it, and we're gonna kind of finish what we started, and then um, move forward with the ideas we got. Yeah, because I know that we're on our final round of this until our little yes, aftermath will be next week. That we're gonna be doing, uh, and then followed by, I believe, the Waterloo episodes yep. coming up. Hey, good news, though. I did see the baseball propose an 89-game schedule, so possibly some baseball talk in the next month or so, too. (laughs) Yeah, there's the debate one that I got set up for that's going to be interesting. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah, they'll be there for that one. It'll be fun. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Um, So what else going on? How's your books going? Any research? Anything new? Uh, not so much. It's just been kind of plateauing, I guess, if you will. Uh, you know, same old thing like every day. I've just been a oh, there you go, there big you go. camping trip. Fun, fun. <laughs> yeah. How, 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 how about you? I know you did Still you about halfway through. Um, to be honest with you, we're work is just consuming me right now. So. In my downtime, it's basically just decompressing. Like, my mind can't process any more information. So it's just like, stop, done. <laughs> just like a, I'm like a vegetable at the end of the yeah. day. No, I don't blame you. Yeah, well, it's so just it's kind of been, it, it's so been kind of tricky to uh, want to sit there at the end of these days and try to, you know, read through a book and then comprehend it. I just, you know, so and then so there was a few other things that came up, and I kind of uh, drifted to have to pay attention to this other stuff I was looking into for what else I was working on with the uh, guys in the community. So that was that. Um, then I drifted back into doing the research for tonight's show, for what I have. And then I think the other thing I was doing was just kind of going along with the world events and kind of looking up stuff like that. And then I, I didn't get caught up so much into it. I mean, I knew what was happening, but I just kind of had to pull away. Like, it just, for me, it's like, it's, I have to recharge the batteries. Like, too much overload, I got to back up. So that's kind of where I was yeah, with definitely. that. Um, yeah, that's where I was. <laughs> So I guess maybe um, before we start today's shebang, why don't uh, why don't you let the the, the listeners uh, in on kind of what you experienced for the weekend when you did your uh, Civil War um, 
I, I don't know what you want to call it. Your little like civil war, like boot camp, you know, engineering, mechanical. Type oh of, yeah. Uh, so I was invited to, first of all, when I say invite, I know all the guys involved, but anyways, uh, I was actually invited to do a, I guess like training camp is kind of the setting that they're trying to plan out for the future. So anyways, there was a few of us that were invited to this to kind of discuss options and which way to take it. And so it was kind of a way to get out first because depending where you live, most of the reenacting seasons are pretty much down to nothing. Uh, I believe that our schedule right now calendar, we have two events that are still listed as a, as a go, but we've lost all the other ones. So this was to get us out, kind of discuss some options for a like training camp away from the public where we can kind of work on honing our skills. So anyways, so it was, um, it was a two day event overnight. Um, worked on drill, worked in kind of immersing yourself into the time period, discussing options about how we can grow this idea. So it was really fascinating to kind of, I guess, congregate and kind of have different um, viewpoints and opinions about this. It, it, you know, I got to be honest, though, that there is a lot of work that goes into reenactments. I mean, behind the scenes, again, I'm still new to that. But when it came to this, it was like I, I felt blessed that I was even asked to come out for somebody who's only been doing it for two years. But this, um, yeah, I threw some ideas out. And I'm more of like a hands-on. Uh, I wanted to get really into exactly how it was. You know, other people like the public and they want to talk and do demonstration, which is great. But I think in this setting, it was like, we have to train. So I really like that whole aspect. So that's kind of what we did. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I believe there is one scheduled for next month that I got an invite back to also. So um, we'll see how this goes. This it looks good, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping I can tag along for the next yeah, one, Yeah, um, like I will talk to them. Stuff. I don't think there's going to be issues about that. It uh, was discussed at the last one. So uh, I actually believe that with where we're structured now, I know with the COVID situation in the state, uh, we probably will be having companies out as well. So I know that's was definitely on the books. Bigger. Yeah, well, yeah, they're talking yeah, about having two companies out for this. So you're probably talking about 20, 20-ish people probably going out for this. If, and there's enough room. Um, I'll have to talk to them and see how that's going to go. But, uh, yeah, it'll probably be later in summer. Huh. I see. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses because it's kind of like our own little – that's the idea. It's, it's like a that's, boot camp, that's the idea that I took from it, and that's kind of what I pressed for it to remain. But almost like like a training camp, and that's kind of what they told me in the beginning. That's the way they wanted to go. But I was hitting ideas that didn't seem like it was on their mind. But I kind of presented it, and hopefully, like I could elaborate more on it. So we'll see. Uh, it, it's a lot of things in the works. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely really about getting into like not not in the character, but really the good understanding of um, what they went through. 
in a sense where you're not pressured. I think that yeah, a lot of times I find myself kind of just living in the moment when I'm at a huge event and the public's around. We're here. You can kind of relax and kind of iron out the wrinkles. But that's that's how I felt about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll help. I think it'll help uh, keep everybody. Yeah, and in I pace, also think I that you know, you know, you only see your, you know, parts only so often anyway. So I think this will help where we're together more. So you know, everything counts when it comes to camaraderie. So oh, that's definitely. that's where that's at right now. Hopefully, we'll be moving forward with some new ideas and see where it takes us. Yeah, like I said, it'll help. It's just a little yes, bonus. And it it'll, it'll be fun. I mean, like too. I said, there's no, no no reenacting going on for the most part, at least in this state, because everything going on. So it's you know, if you could get one or two small events for yourselves, on top of maybe having two other ones to do. Got to take the good and the bad, you know. It's better than nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, when you got a crisis yep. like this going on, you just um, take what you can. Yeah. I did want to ask. Uh, oh, I kind of off topic a little bit before we dive into this uh, end piece here. I wanted to kind of get your your mindset about what's going on and how people are just. I don't know, this trashing the historical stuff? Monuments? It's 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 mutiny and it's unappreciation of what people before us yes. did, you know. It's just it's just, you know, as not even just, you know, seeing color or anything, it's just like a like a as as a race uh-huh. type of thing, you know, like a human race type of thing. It's just disgraceful and it's just it's something that shouldn't ever happen i mean i know that in the past we had issues with uh you know people going and tearing down like i think there was what what was the maybe if you can kind of clarify the the robert e lee statue i believe got tried like uh, the protesters at one Whoa. point tried to take that down i think this was like quite some time ago this is maybe a couple years back i remember there was something going on with a robert e lee statue and somebody didn't like it maybe it was antifa i don't know some sort of some sort of organization like that and they were trying to take it down or they vandalized it somehow but it, it seems kind of like that. But honestly, I mean, it's it's a crazy time to be alive. And, you know, just witnessing it firsthand is like, wow, you know, people really it does. It shows that there's no boundaries. You right. Know? Uh, to go want. to your question, there was an issue where they wanted to take down the Robert E. Lee statue in Richmond. It was a few years ago. But now now they're actually yeah. going to take it down. And that's coming from the governor of Virginia. Um so that looks like all of those statues are going to come down. And, uh, you know, look, I'm kind of – I was kind of back and forth with it when I heard about it. And, you know, I, I understand the two arguments. I mean, look, I understand on one hand people view it different, you know, in a negative light. But then I see people look at it – I don't want to say positive light, but I'd say, like, there's people who I guess they want to res- – the respect the historical aspect about it. And look, I mean, I've never really in-depth studied Robert E. Lee, but the things I gather, I mean, he was a, he's an old school gentleman type. And I I don't want to say there's anything negative. I mean, the negative would be that, yeah, he went to fight for the Confederacy, but I guess the whole turmoil of the time, I mean, 
you know, I understand his reasons. He went with the state, which Virginia, his family and friends and everything like his home, you know, so I understand all that, you know, so it, again, it's kind of twisty for me, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. You know I mean? But like, see, it's, it's one thing, you know, you, you don't have to agree with everything somebody stands for, even if it's just somebody in history, but you have to at least appreciate the fact of, the role that they played in our history to get us right. where we are today. I think the, you know? the cheapening down factor with all of it is when I hear people say, um, calling him traitors and treasonous and, you know, things like that. Again, that's, that creates an issue because, you know, my issue with that is treason, treason of what? I mean, for the first part, I mean, there's nothing in, the constitution that says a state is like bound forever to be part of the union. I mean, they voted into the union. They could probably vote out of the union. I mean, there's nothing in there that says secession is illegal. There wasn't. So, I mean, this was them pressing the matter, you know, um, but all of these individuals, you know, I don't know. It cheapens down history when you just make blanket statements, I guess. And that's kind of like the the hurtful part about all of it when it comes to me. It's like, you, you know, when you study history, you have to really understand the time and the people. And having a, you know, 21st century mindset to people who lived 200 years ago is really not the way you study history. So, you know, all those people that want to rip down the statues because they find things immoral from people who lived 200 years ago well that's really a you don't have a historical eye set well right and you know it's like what do you think people 200 years from now are gonna well i would assume that we're one of two things (laughs) um we're going to look back in 200 (laughs) years and think that this was the peak of the documentary of idiocracy no one's ever seen that came out in like 2005 and or we in 200 years, it's going to be full blown idiocracy. That's just my opinion. We're going to be either looking back at it going like, yeah, it's turbulent time or it's just going to be the movie idiocracy. So I won't be here for that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I like that point. Yeah. It's like you either they're either going to look back and learn the idiot like you learn from the idiocracy to correct it and to not make the same you know decisions in one right i think the fact is is that if you're a student of history you have to put the mindset of the time and when you start trying to mix in what you feel and believe today and then stack it up against the people who live way before you it's not going to work it's not the way you study it and that's how I can tell that all these people are not students of history. It's yeah, you can you can point out a few negative things about these historical characters. I mean, they're human, so they do make human mistakes. But you also got to look at the flip side. What good things did they accomplish too? You know, so I think that's what's lost. And and my biggest gripe is seriously the education system. And I was just and it's going to go right into my my choice here for the end. And I'll totally talk about it when we get to that point about what pisses me off about the school systems and the historical education. Um, but I'll get to that later. 
don't don't tell Joey. Well, he he upset, gets like, it. Don't get me wrong. Out. He gets it. Um, I just yeah. think there's a lack of really pressing home the issues of when we talk about historical stuff that the school systems completely ignore. And I know that they're crunched for time because there's a, a lot of information to do, but it's almost like the point of like, when you press the matter of teaching, they don't press the right buttons. If you get what I'm saying, it's like they're pressing the buttons yeah. they want you to feel, but they're not pressing the buttons of a whole. It's, it's, it's just really weird to me. And I don't really remember if it was like that when I was in school. It probably was, but I was different. I was a student of history, still am. So what people see on the surface is all they're going to take when they're studying all this stuff. And that's their just emotion about it. It's like, how could that person be that way? And they get upset. You know, rip down the monument. Okay. But once you start digging in and you start reading the books and put in the time and you realize like, yeah, a little bit more to that that kind of gives you background. And then you can put yourself in that individual's shoes and say, these are why these decisions were made. And sometimes you realize that some of those people Absolutely. that they point fingers at and demonize anguished over those decisions themselves. <laughs> Yeah, but no, again, you're absolutely right. Guarantee you, none of those guys that are doing all this stuff, and you mentioned these people, they wouldn't have a clue. They don't know nothing. Some people appreciate all aspects of history, or some people just turn a blind eye and act like it never even happened, and it's just, yes. you know, like yes, it's new. that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But um, I think uh, we're kind of at a point here where we should probably, yeah, open, open forum, forum is we'll get to that. We got a show kind of up about open forum, really. Um, I think that uh, yeah. this hard work that we put in for the, oh, God, more month now, to a close, I think we're ready to yeah. announce our yeah. top general for our yeah, military. So, again, we set up a, yeah. you know, you're the president, you're picking five historical U.S. generals in the past. It, you're, you're choosing them in you know, order one through five, five being the lowest, one being the top. We're giving reasons to why, give a little feedback on these individuals. Um, by no means, as we've stated before, this is not a ranking system who we feel deserves to be in us, just as how we want them to be ranked if we were starting our own you know, military generalship. So I don't really remember who went first last time, but I really think we should do this. And this is a suggestion, so let me throw this at you. What if we count to three and we just say the name of the person we picked? At the same yeah, time. You know what? Let's yes. do that. However, first 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 since we since we had a little break for people who might be tuning in now or for people who you know, had had distractions or whatever, and forgot me. But I think we should discuss ahead, the give criteria a real quick. So we're just so the, the ranking system is based off the criteria, which follows as a wisdom, integrity, compassion, and courage. And yeah, Perfect. that's it. That's the criteria. So that's how we yes. base our placements. Um, which was a basis was a nice basis to come up with. 
Uh, it was definitely a learning experience to pull up with all of the ones we've had. And I think next week we'll go through who we had and then we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the ones that didn't make the cut and reasons why. Um, so we'll do the countdown to three and we'll just blurt out the name, who you have, and then we'll kind of work through that and figure out who's going to go first. All right. All right. Yeah, let's three, do it. Two, one. George Washington. <laughs> oh! We <George> <laughs> got two Georges at the tops. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Which is interesting because if people are getting caught up or maybe had listened to the previous shows, I've already picked Patton as my number four, and I believe you picked Washington as your number four. <laughs> we did the yeah. realm. Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. And, you know, I'm really surprised that we didn't have one episode where we had the exact same genre. I really figured, yeah, somewhere in here, probably two. Um, somewhere up in here, we probably would have had it, but I guess, uh, which is interesting. I mean, this is, this is the fun part about it, you know. Well, if we would have switched our Georges around. Well, as I right said before about George Patton, I, I – didn't want to rank him low, but there was reasons to why I did. And anybody who wants to listen to that episode, I totally give out my reasons for that. And that's not speaking ill of that, and I think very highly yeah, of that. Um, yeah, sure. So who wants to – who should we go first here to do this? Um, you want to go? Um. I mean, you can you can take okay. the lead on this I'll one. I'll go yeah. first. Um, yeah, so I'm going with George Washington. Uh, give a little background. I didn't go too in depth on this one just because it kind of speaks for itself. Um, well, so George Washington, he was an American political leader, military general, statesman, and the founding father who served as the first president in the United States. Washington received his initial military training and command while with the Virginia Regiment during the French and Indian War. He was later elected to the Virginia House of Burgress and was named a delegate to the Continental Congress, where he was appointed commanding general of the Continental Army. He commanded American forces allied with France in the defeat and surrender of the British during the Siege of Yorktown. Washington appeared before Congress in uniform in 1775 and gave an acceptance speech on June 16th. He declined salary. That's what I liked about him. He actually declined the salary making any money, but he did actually want to be reimbursed for his expenses. So he actually paid most of the bills for the army in hopes that he just get refunded later. So he didn't make a profit off any of this. I think he actually came out poorer because of this. Yes. Um, he was commissioned on June 19th and was roundly praised by the congressional delegates, including John Adams, who proclaimed that he was the man best suited to lead and unite the colonies. Which is interesting. Like most people don't realize the colonies weren't like united prior. It's interesting with the history. Like we, we think of these 13 states, but they weren't. They were kind of independent prior um, governorships for the British. Um, now, here, I, an interesting thing I thought of I was doing this was that I figured that he would actually choose his staff officers, but no, the Congress actually 
created his team for him. Odd. Um, this included Major General uh, Artemis Ward, General Horatio Gates, Major General Charles Lee, Major General Philip Schuler, and Major General Nathaniel Green, Colonel Henry Knox, and Colonel Alexander Hamilton. Washington was impressed by Benedict Arnold and gave him responsibility for invading Canada. Oh, Benedict. He also engaged French and Indian War compatriot Brigadier General Daniel Morgan. Uh, January 1776, Washington reluctantly agreed to secure Dorsher Heights around Boston. It was about 500 feet elevation, an attempt to force the British out of the city. On March 9th, under cover of darkness, Washington's troops brought up Henry Knox's large guns and bombed the British ships in Boston Harbor. On the 17th, 9,000 British and Loyalist followers began a chaotic 10-day evacuation of Boston aboard 120 ships. Soon after, Washington entered the city with only 500 men. And his order, not not to plunder the city. Noble again. Then he runs into some trouble, and this is in the New York time. Uh, So in August of the same year, uh, General Howe of Great Britain landed 2,000 troops in Gravesend in Brooklyn and approached Washington's fortifications. At this point, King George III proclaimed the rebellious American colonists as traitors. Um, so Washington actually opposing his generals, he chose a fight instead of regrouping. And then based on inaccurate information that Howe's army had only 8,000 plus troops, in the Battle of Long Island, Howe assaulted Washington's flank and inflicted 1,500 Patriot casualties. The British suffered only 400. Washington then retreated, instructing William Heath to <clears throat> accuse Rivercraft to get out of the area. On August 30th, General William Alexander held off the British and gave cover while the army crossed the East River under darkness to Manhattan Island without the loss of a single life. They actually stated that Washington was the last man off into the boat, actually. So he was the last one. Now, I, here's the part. When I was talking earlier about the, the historical stuff not being taught, this is something that I don't really spend a lot of time reading the Revolution. This interesting. Yeah. Say the Patriot morale was reached its lowest after this. Washington only had fifty four hundred troops. Washington's army would retreat into New Jersey, and Howe broke off their pursuit, delaying his advance on Philadelphia, and he set up winter quarters in New York. To think at this point the war seemed lost. Only fifty fifty four hundred troops remained. Just showing at this point in time, many had to figure that it was hopeless to continue. But Washington would rise to the occasion. Lack of supplies, a harsh winter, expiring enlistments and desertions, Washington was disappointed that many New Jersey residents were loyalists or skeptical about the prospect of independence. So what choice did he have? He had his army on Christmas night attack Heston troops at Trenton, New Jersey, which would be later referred to as the crossing of the Delaware. Actually, I was before I came on, I was watching a documentary on him, and he wore his best uniform for that crossing because he 
actually expected to die. So he was in the boats. He was with the troops, ready to fight. Um, throughout 1777, Washington held a small ragtag army together best he could, fighting at battles of Brandywine and Germantown, which would lead to British capturing Philadelphia. Uh, winter facing the greatest of hardships, Washington's army now was up to 11,000, went to winter quarters at now Valley Forge, north of Philadelphia, in December 1777. They suffered between two to 3,000 deaths in extreme cold over six months, mostly from disease and lack of food, clothing, and shelter. Working tirelessly, the Army was drilled and trained and endured the greatest hardships. By spring, they were ready to fight on, and then proceed on to fight at the Battle of Mon Monmouth. Monmouth, I believe it's called. At this point, Washington wasn't fighting to take towns, but he was, keep, he was fighting to keep his Army intact. I mean, it was always under mutiny. They were the sold. Nobody's being paid. It's it really bad. I mean, surprisingly speaking, that we actually won that war speaks volumes how close we were to losing it. Uh, for the next three years, they fought pitch battles around New York. Late in the war, with the help of French forces, they would surround the British at Yorktown, causing the later to surrender, ending the war for the most part. Washington has been noted as not a great tactician, which is true. He was not. He actually lost more battles than he won. What he lacked in military knowledge, he knew in the character of man. He knew the most important thing was to keep his army intact and to continue the fight. He knew they were outnumbered, outsupplied, and outmanned. Washington was noted to be cruel as he was during small mutinies. He also knew that he had to do what he had to do for his men. He knew the hardships they had as he was right there with them to understand it. Washington's character comes to light at the end of the war. He could have made himself king. He had the admiration of his army. But instead, he resigned and chose to head home to Mount Vernon and live a simple life. In the end, he would again be called to serve his country once more as his first president, which he actually did not want to be. Why I went with him is my number one. Well, for one, I feel he was a man of great leadership skills. He had hardly any military teaching or experience once he took command of a Patriot Army. He had a great vision for how he wanted to fight the war. He was a natural leader that inspired. He had to be political, a general, a citizen, and a Patriot all at once. For me, Washington cast no doubt the importance of having an open mind, the ability to change course, not to be demanding of his own desires. So much could be said of Washington, but the simple quote works best for me. He was the first in war. He was the first in peace. That's why I went with my number one. He had to be a man of many different faces. And if you're going to start something new, you want somebody who can adapt and have the ability to handle multiple facets. He can delegate to the group that I've already set up. And those other gentlemen that I've chosen before would follow the orders perfectly. So that is my number one. That's yeah. I don't blame you. I think he was he's a great leader and definitely impacted history. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Um, it was wasn't really really that hard of a decision. I think when I started the way, I was like, well, where does Grant fit in all this? And I think next week when we have our um, Fallout episode, when we talk about this, I'll elaborate more. But 
I think that Grant had he just had the manpower and numbers to make it look good. And I think Washington set an example yeah. where he had nothing. Oh, that was my number one. Um, I'm curious to hear why you got Pat number one. Okay, so no spiel this time, but uh, so we'll just dive right into this. George S. Patton. Okay, so educated at West Point, George Patton began his military career leading cavalry troops against Mexican forces and became the first officer assigned to the new U.S. Army Tank Corps during World War I. Promoted through the ranks over the next several decades, he reached the high point of his career during World War II when he led the U.S. 7th Army in its invasion of Sicily and swept across northern France at the head of the 3rd Army in the summer of 1944. Late that same year, Patton's forces played a key role in defeating the German counterattack in the Battle of the Bulge, after which he led them across the Rhine River and into Germany, capturing 10,000 miles of territory and liberating the country uh, from the Nazi regime. Patton died in Germany in December of 1945, of pulmonary edema and congestive heart failure following an automobile accident. Uh, so going from there, that's kind of his overview. We're going to talk about his early life and his early career. So George Smith Patton was born in 1885 in San Gabriel, California. His family was originally from Virginia, um, and they had a long military heritage, including service in the Civil War. Patton decided early on that he wanted to carry on the tradition and graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in 1909. Patton gained his first real battle experience in 1915 when he was assigned to lead cavalry troops against Mexican forces led by Pancho Villa along the U.S.-Mexican border. He served as a uh, aide-de-camp to General John J. Pershing, which I think he was my number five. On, right? Yeah, right. Um, commander of American forces in Mexico and accompanied the general on his unsuccessful 1916 expedition against Villa. Uh, Fun fact, in 1912, George Patton represented the United States in the Stockholm Olympics, competing in the modern uh, pentha, pen, pentathlon. <laughs> of the five events, running, swimming, fencing, riding, and shooting, he fared poorest in shooting, but still managed to finish fifth overall in the event. So that's a little fun fact. Uh, so when the United States entered World War I in 1917, Patton went along with Pershing to Europe, where he became the first officer assigned to the newly established U.S. Tank Corps. He soon earned a reputation for his leadership, skill, and knowledge of tank warfare. After the war, Patton served positions in tank and cavalry units at various posts, uh, posts in the United States. By the time the country began to uh, worm itself in 1940, he had risen through the ranks uh, to colonel. Uh, so we'll talk about General Patton in World War II, uh, North Africa and Sicily. So soon after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in December of 1941, Patton was given command of the 1st and 2nd Armored Divisions and organized a training center in the California desert. Patton headed to North Africa late in 1942 at the head of uh, an American force. Before the initial landings on Morocco's Atlantic coast, he presented his troops with an expression of his now legendary philosophy of battle, uh, quoted, We shall attack and attack until we are exhausted, and then we shall attack again. Penn's lust for battle would earn him the colorful nickname Old Blood and Guts among his troops, whom he ruled with an iron fist. With this formidable aggression and unrelenting discipline, the general managed to put U.S. forces back on 
uh, the offensive after a series of defeats and wins uh, and win the war's first major American victory against Nazi-led forces in the Battle of Algatar in March 1943. A month later, Patton turned over his command in North Africa to General Omar Bradley in order to prepare the U.S. 7th Army for its planned invasion of Sicily. The operation was a smashing success, but Patton's reputation suffered greatly after an incident in an Italian field hospital in which he slapped a soldier suffering from shell shock and accused him of cowardice. He was forced to issue a public apology and earned a sharp reprimand from General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, So carrying on more in World War II, uh, France and Germany, um, though he had greatly hoped to lead the Allied invasion of Normandy, Penn was instead publicly assigned command of the fictitious force that was supposedly preparing for an invasion in southeastern England. With the German command distracted by a phantom invasion of Pas de... Calais, France, uh, the the Allies were able to make their actual landings on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day, uh, June 6, 1944. After the First Army broke the German line, Patton's third, uh, Patton's third Army swept through the breach into northern France in pursuit of Nazi forces. Late that year, it played a key role in frustrating the German counterattack in the Ardennes during the massive Battle of the Bulge. In early 1945, Patton led his army across the Rhine River and into Germany, capturing 10,000 miles of territory, as I said before, and helping to liberate the country from Nazi rule, also mentioned before. In the months following Germany's surrender, the outspoken general caused another firestorm of controversy when he gave an interview criticizing the Allies' rigged day uh, denazification policies in the defeated country. Eisenhower removed him from command of the Third Army in October of 1945, that December, Penn broke his neck in an automobile accident near Mannheim, Germany. He sustained spinal cord and neck injuries and passed away from pulmonary embolism as a result of the accident in a Heidelberg hospital 12 days later. Penn's memoir titled, quoted, War as I Knew It, um, was published posthumously in 1947. His larger-than-life persona later made its way to the Silver Screen and Academy Award-winning 1970 biop- biopic, um, starring George C. Scott. So they kind of gave him a little, you know, memoir and film for that. And, yeah. That's what I would just choose him one for. I mean, like, like it, like, you know, like I said, he was controversial. He wasn't afraid to, you know, do whatever he had to. He, he just seemed fearless and ruthless, you know, like he would do whatever he had to do. He would, you know, dig really deep and, you know, he would get the job done, you know, without a doubt, he would get the job done. Yeah, he definitely was. He was a, um, man, he's a freaking warrior. <laughs> he really was. Yeah. He yeah. Was. That's why, I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to have number one, um, you know, like I said, warrior class. Like, they don't make him like that anymore. I think he's probably like the last that there was of that old school mentality um, you know he actually thought he was reincarnated several times by the way yes you should oh, look yeah? <laughs> into that yeah he actually believed he was reincarnated um, funny thing about the movie Patton is that George C. Scott like if you if ever if you ever seen the movie oh my god no, so I haven't. the movie's great but when you see George C. Scott playing him and he's just got this like deep, intimidating voice about him. Okay. 
then you actually listen to real Patton give a speech, it's like polar opposites. <laughs> it's like it's like so weird. <laughs> You're like, it's not him, right? Because you really everybody and a lot of people say this. They think that George C. Scott playing Patton, we all just presume that's his voice. And you listen to him give like speeches at huh. the end of the war, and it's like that's him. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But um, I just kind of want to mention because, you know, like, yeah, we have this criteria and whatnot, but I feel like, you know, that's, that's our, that's our criteria. That's the guideline. That's like at the bare minimum, we, we are ranking these guys based off of uh-huh. those four things. But as a personal connection, I feel like it maybe even subconsciously that we're, that we're doing this, that maybe we personally, like psychologically have our own sub criteria that we're kind of going for. Cause if I kind of go back and maybe if you kind of go back too, we can kind of find like a sub theme that, yeah, we ranked them off these four pieces of criteria, but personally, you know, like for me, I, I, I looking at my list right now, the top five that I have from Mattis, Washington, Jackson, MacArthur and Patton, it seems like for me, I, it seems more subconscious that I kind of chose like, you know, darker, mm-hmm. ruthless kind of, you know, get the job done kind of people. And, you know, those weren't even in our criteria, but subconsciously, I feel like, you know, I don't know if you have a sub theme that you might have subconsciously kind of created just looking at your I list. I think I did. Um, God, mine was all about like organization and structure, but I also. It well, was that was tempting. kind of like how it started to come out. I mean, I had remember I, I picked uh, Pershing as my number five because of his organization skills, not so much as a battlefield commander. But then I had him, right after him, I had Patton because Patton was a tactician. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who my number three was now. Um, <laughs> I know it's like you're going back. I had a right mind. I was trying to so think too. And then I had my number two. I picked um, uh, Winfield Scott. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, I, for me, Sherman I was my third. Yes, Sherman. So yeah, I Sherman had yeah, third. my three and fours were freaking like war warriors who had a big tactical and strategic mindset and you know uh sherman was really good at organization though too so like the emphasis i had was like i realized looking back other than washington was that every one of these guys had great tactical mindset and organization skills to put everything together and this is how it had to be and then you had a guy like Patton in there who's like Sometimes things don't go right. He's the type of guy who's just going to be like, I know what to do in a moment's notice. And he, you know, he did. So I think it for myself, like you were saying, you know, you had like a huge warrior class going. I think most of my stuff was like using, get the job done, organizing, building a plan and carrying out. And I, wanted you know washington was that bridge between two points where like if you're having to deal with a political side to it he was good for that and then he could see the bigger picture militarily so you cop back and forth yeah so i I kind of agree with you there was probably a sub category we built and probably didn't realize it 
yeah, like for you, just just going back and kind of having like a flashback of our previous, um, you know, debates or talks or whatever you want to call it. It seems like yours came off as more as like a, I don't know, like a mechanical, tactical, psychological type of lineup for you. Uh, looking back, it probably does. Um, probably when I put them out is the list. It probably seemed that way. Um, and I know we'll touch on this probably when we do next week's show about the, the cutoffs. I mean, there was, there was a lot of ones that I had on there that came across. I mean, I, I had Eisenhower yeah. and I had Marshall. And then one that kept reoccurring was Grant. And I surprised myself that I didn't pick Grant. And I kind of mentioned that earlier, but I think that his benefit again was he just had overwhelming material and men and things of that nature. And don't get me wrong. I mean, he did pull off a lot of great feats in the war, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like next week is definitely going to be a big eye opener. We're going to kind of realize and reflect on things that we might not have noticed. Because, like you know, the first discoveries that we had sub sub a sub criteria that you know was more of a personal thing for us, and that's just the first discovery. You know, looking back, we might you know figure out other things too as we go. So it's 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 interesting, and and I like the way that we did it. You know, and the way that just like mm-hmm. the human mind works. You know, with our subcategories and whatnot, it, it could have been anything. You know. But there's a reason why we chose these guys. You well, know? That's at the, the end of the day, I mean, I don't really think that any one of them that we chose was incorrect. I mean, I think that anybody listening who has knowledge about them would say, like, yeah, it makes sense. But again, anybody listening kind of said, like, I would have had somebody swapped in a different spot. But I think the end result is you, you respect it's a top five, at least. And again, I mean, there's so many, there's so many generals that we've produced that, I mean, are very great. That you know, maybe if we're talking a top ten, oh, that makes things even more not as challenging, but challenging in a sense. Like I think it's easier to pick ten instead of five. <clears throat> yeah, because your your options aren't so right. slim. And like right? I said, I mean, I like when I started to get to the top, and I'm like kind of surprised myself that I didn't pick ones that I actually do respect. Um, wholeheartedly, like Grant, I I have in high esteems. But when I started to kind of put things together, I'm like, you know, what elevated him to that level? Well, Grant got elevated because all the other Union generals sucked. <laughs> That's you know, right? He yeah. looked good, which is no fault of his own. He was talented at what he did. Don't get me wrong. But then when I stacked him up against what I needed in building this whole thing those other guys yeah so i think going back um just real quick i think i think the list is without a doubt you know yeah these guys belong on a list you know the list isn't isn't the thing the only thing that i would say is debatable at this point is the placement and i feel like that's something that we're definitely going to cover next week and reasonings yeah we, we we could just do our reasonings for each general and why we put them there or you know whatever you know there's there's plenty to talk about you know it's I don't want to just leave it vague, you know. No, and I think um, as we go into the fallout of what we conducted for the last month and a half, uh, we can definitely touch more on those that missed out. If we can, you know, I think that would probably be the more focal point because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who would say again, why is there no Eisenhower, Marshall, and Grant, and 
trying to think of who else would be in there. Um, I didn't have MacArthur, but you did. Um, Norman Swarskoff. I mean, there's probably a, a bunch of generals that we just didn't include in ours that other people would have. That we had maybe on the cut. We could always explain that. Yeah, so I think next week might be probably longer if I had a guess because it's it's going to just pretty much be open form the whole time, you know, just going mm-hmm. back and forth. Yeah, and I think, you know, probably just throw a few of them out there because, I mean, like I said, I had only a few that really just cut. And, and again, retrospect, going into it, there's two generals on my list that I probably at the beginning would not have thought I would have picked. And I would say it would have been Scott and Pershing were probably the two that would not have ended up on my list if we were at the beginning. But as I did the research, it just was like, you know what? That's what I want. I had that too, yeah. No, it's um, been a fun series to do something a little different. It has, and I'm sure that, you know, with, with other topics, there's plenty more top fives that we oh, can do. Oh, yeah. Um, I think uh, I had baseball coming up. Like I said, you know, those are going to be some – now, those are going to be debates because I think we're going to have, like, four people on total for these. Uh, and I think, you know, some sports history, stuff of that nature we'll be talking about. So there's there's that coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, God, you imagine if you did a whole – Top five of greatest generals ever <laughs> around the world. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. That would that that would be a lot more difficult. Well, I already know sure. my number one, so it don't matter. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the painting on the wall staring at me. So I guess uh, if I didn't pick that one, I yeah. I already most, know most people who know me already know this one. <laughs> that's right <laughs> well we'll hear that's actually right. we'll be hearing about him in another week or so when with the uh, waterloo episode i'm excited for that one i'm, I'm sure that you're going to be taking the wheel on that one. i'm sure you're really excited um for that. yeah i gotta start working on that one actually i yeah this would be the first time i've actually probably read anything regarding all of that timeline in god two and a half years It's going to be a nice little revisitation for that then. Yeah, I'm trying not to get myself carried away. It's ah, okay if you do. I, I get to see I get to see Joey <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> but hey, he wanted to, he wanted it on it, so I'm hoping he's still available and be able to pull this off. Um, I would like to, you know, just kind of say. Uh, Thank you to the listeners who have been listening to our show since we've re kind of started this season. Um, I know that military history isn't for everybody, but I do appreciate those who do listen to the show, listen to us, giving us an opportunity to talk about things, have a little fun with it. We can't do the show without the listeners, and we're hoping that we can get more of them to get in here. Um, this is something that we'd like to take to the next level, but we can't do it alone. Definitely need help. So tell your friends, tell your family. I know I've had people actually say positive things. They've actually sent it 
down the line to other people. So please help us out. Um, you know, catch us on our Facebook page as usual. And definitely have new content coming out soon. So, you know, hang with us. We got some stuff for everybody. Even throw some ideas at us. We're all, we're all about the options there. All about the options. Yeah, we have that email on the Facebook page too. So yep. feel free to reach um, out. You know, drop us a line of question. We can definitely bring it on the show. Um, definitely want to make it a little bit interactive. Uh, and with that, you know, again, we can't do it without the listeners. So thanks for those who have been listening to us for the last what, six weeks. Okay. Six so weeks. we've been doing this for six weeks. Um, yep. We had talked about this before, before we end the show tonight. Now we had discussed taking a slight break here, uh, probably through the end of June, once we do our last send off for the Waterloo episode, this is just going to be brief. Again, I'm hoping that baseball starts in July. I have a whole bunch of different things that we're going to talk about as far as baseball. So as long as baseball gives a green light to go next month, then July is going to be baseball-focused, baseball history, and that would be real fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I know somebody else who has, and he's fighting to get on the show and run his mouth, so... Oh, this will be fun for everybody. So, um, Austin, I'll let you do the go home tonight. Close. It's all on you. All right. First and foremost, I think it's about course oh, time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. We have a whole bunch of plans. We have a whole bunch of uh, different directions that we're going to be taking the show. And uh, as we've discussed prior to all of this you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna be having sub admin sub host stuff like that kind of take over when other uh hosts aren't available just so we can keep it active and keep it you know live and whatnot and and also so that you know anybody you know we're gonna be offering a, a, a boatload of different topics and subjects that anybody can kind of benefit from and you guys will all um be you know you guys will be in the loop for that we'll always update you guys on facebook and whatnot when new stuff is dropping and yeah, thanks for the support and thanks for listening, uh, most of all. <laughs>